Today, if you will turn to Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10, the title of today's message is that they might be saved, that they might be saved. Let's read verse 1 through 4. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for the gospel message. We thank you for sending Jesus Christ that he was able to bear the sins of the whole world. That we would have a mediator to know you and to have a relationship with you, to be reconciled to you. Lord, in our flesh, there is no good thing, and we cannot come to you without the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So we thank you for that. And we pray, Lord, that as a church we would be in unity, that you would use us to spread your love and your message to all the world. Help us, Lord, to be passionate about that message, and help us, Lord, to spread that message, and help us, Lord, to work together to serve you, that you might be pleased with us. We thank you for our church leaders, our pastors. We pray, Lord, that you continue to guide them and give them wisdom. And we pray that we would hold their hands up as they preach the word of God each week and as they serve you. And we thank you for what you will say tonight through me. I pray that you would speak to each one of our hearts, that you would open our hearts to what you have to say. And I pray that you would hide me behind your cross and that we would truly hear from you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is writing to this church or these people at Rome. It's not a church yet. And the idea is that people who were here at Rome might have gotten saved under Peter's preaching at the day of Pentecost. We know at the day of Pentecost that were, there were people from all around the world there. And so there's, these people are in and around the area of Rome. And of course, they would have encountered people from all around the world because Rome was this trade center, this place that people would often go through, pass through. And this is interesting to think that this would, this work in Rome of seeing the first starting point of the church starting, um, it was a remote work. And as we think of today and think of how we can reach people through the internet or we can reach people uh, through other means and letters, Paul was already doing that. Paul was writing letters to people and, and giving them doctrine and, and discipling them and teaching them the way of God. And of course, his main message was the gospel. If we look at Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, Paul says, For I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as is in me, is I am ready to preach the gospel to you, they, to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What is Paul's main message? Paul's main message was the gospel. He's writing to them. He's letting them know why he's writing to them, and it's the gospel message. This should be our main message in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, we see it laid out that the gospel message is a message about love. 
says, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And as he's presenting the gospel to these Roman citizens, these people at Rome, he's mentioning the Jews. Of course, he's mentioning the faith of the Jews. And he's telling them the way of salvation. Of course, these people at Rome, they probably weren't sure what to think of the Jews. They probably didn't particularly like the Jews. They knew that the Jews killed Jesus. And of course, many people today find reasons not to like the Jewish people. Throughout ages, people have tried to take out the Jews. Brother Jerry and I had the privilege of going to Poland last year and going to Auschwitz and seeing what happened there, the tragedy. And as I walked through these concentration camps and saw what the Nazis did to the Jewish people, it appalled me. And and I just couldn't help but think of the spiritual warfare that was going on and what was really going on behind the scenes. Of course, people would go there just to see the physical, just to uh, think about how bad people are, but they're not seeing uh, the spiritual warfare going on. The devil knows when he hurts the Jewish people, when he tries to take out the Jewish people, that it hurts God. And so we know that as people are walking uh, in these concentration camps and seeing what, what happened there, that they are also in need of salvation. They are in need of hope. And if we think about what's going on today in Israel, there's a lot of turmoil in Israel today. Israel is persecuted. They're surrounded by enemies. Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, Iran, Hamas, Islamic Jihad, Hezbollah, etc. But this hatred and persecution of Israel is only a hint of what will happen in the end times. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 15 through 21, it says, When ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Whoso read, let him understand. Then let him which be in Judea, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time. No, nor shall ever be. The latest round of persecution began when Israel was reconstituted as a nation in 1948. Many Bible prophecy scholars believed the six-day Arab-Israeli war in 1967 was the beginning of the end. But of course, Jesus also says in Matthew 24 and verses 4 through 8, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And so as we think of Israel and everything going on, the Bible teaches us in Psalms chapter 122, verse 6 and 7, that we should pray for Israel. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. 
And so Paul says in Romans chapter 10, as Paul is writing to these uh, believers in Rome, he says in verse 1 of chapter 10, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Notice how he says, brethren, brethren. He's telling those who he trusts, those who he loves, those who he prays for. If you look at chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, we see the love that he had for these believers. It says, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, talking to these believers at Rome, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son. And without ceasing, I make mention of you always in my prayers. It's a sacrifice. It's a labor of love to pray for those you care about. And so he's saying to these believers, he's saying, brethren, brethren. You know, we should be thankful that we have brethren. If you don't have uh, the brethren that you need, Christian people in your life who are going to keep you accountable and keep you serving God, you need to pray that God would bring brethren into your life. People that you can open up with and be real with and pray with and serve with. The people that I've gotten closest to in my life, the people who I've, I've had the deepest connection to is those who I've served God together with. Nothing is more blessed than serving God with another believer. Nothing can make us closer. And as Christians, we ought to hear one another's burdens. We ought to carry one another's burdens. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul is writing this, that the Gentiles would look to reach his people. They, they would reach them with love and compassion. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 7, he says, Wherefore, receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to glory, to the glory of God. Think of how Christ received you. You were his enemy. You did not get along with him. You did not want to particularly be around him. You didn't want to hear of God's word. And he still loved you. He still reached out to you and showed you grace. We ought to have this same love and receive one another with this same love that Christ had. And as those who are in our lives that we're praying about, that we're burdened about, those that we have close to us in our church, we ought to be bearing one another's burdens in this way. And so Paul is telling these people that are at Rome who might not be inclined to like the Jews. They weren't sure. He said, be praying for them. And by the way, be thankful for them. And he says, I'm a Jew. He says in Romans chapter 11, verse 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. We ought to be thankful for the Jewish people and those who have been faithful through the years and those who uh, uh, carried the word of God faithfully to us. 
We ought to be thankful and not proud that we have the truth. Romans chapter 11 and verse 17 through 22, it says, And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild, wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be graft in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take he lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. We should be thankful, thankful that God has seen fit to allow us to be saved. Amen. I grew up in a town where many of us said nasty things about the Jewish people. And people that were close to me did not like the Jewish people and said some things and, and were happy when the Jewish people were afflicted. And this, this influenced me. As a young person, I thought the same way. I thought, yeah, didn't really have a good reason. But I remember in school, if one of our friends was Jewish, we would always make fun of him. We'd always uh, laugh and mock. So I grew up this way, not really liking the Jewish people. But the Lord Jesus Christ saved my soul when I was 22 years old in North Dakota. And by God's grace, there was a church that was able to train me. And for five years, I was able to live there at the church, secluded from everything, secluded from my old life. By God's grace, I was able to read the Bible over and over again and study the Word of God. For five years, studying the Word of God every single day in class, being tested on these things. Under, trying to understand these things, serving God. And as I read the word of God, I read about the Jewish people. I read about how God worked through the Jewish people. And I started to have a burden for the Jewish people. And in 2018, the year that I graduated, I finally was able to leave and go on missions trips and travel and so I remember traveling with my friend to Rome. And we were at the airport, and there was this man there who I saw was a Jew. And I thought, these are the people I've been reading about for, for years. These are Moses' people. These are Abraham's people. And I thought, i got to talk to this guy. So I went up to him, and I tried to witness to him. I said, have you ever read the New Testament? Have you ever read anything in there? And, and he went berserk on me. And he started to, to get very angry. He said, get away from me. I don't want to hear this. And then he, he gave me the arguments that he always hears from Christians. And I don't remember what it was, but he said, and I know you guys are going to say this and you're going to say that, but I don't care and I don't want to hear any of it. And he walked away. And I thought, I can't believe that. This is a Jewish man. He needs to hear about Jesus. And I started to weep. It, it was like I was shocked. 
I was like, why am I weeping so much? I was like, why am I so burdened for these people? And I went to my friend, and I was weeping. He was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, I just couldn't believe that Jesus' people would deny him like that, would, would not even hear, would not even want to know what the Bible says, the New Testament. And that was the first encounter, one of the first encounters I had with Jewish people. You know, Abraham had a burden for his people. And he, was, he prayed for the people in Sodom. In Genesis chapter 18, verse 23, it says, Abraham drew near and said, Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He comes to speak to God in behalf of the people that were at Sodom, his people. He had a burden for them. He prayed to God for them. And then in verse 32, he says, And he says, Oh, let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak yet but this once. Peradventure ten shall be found there. And he said, I will not destroy it for ten's sake. He pleaded with God, Please, please have mercy. Please, God, these are my people. And so we see Abraham had a burden for the Jewish people. Have you ever had a burden for somebody, a strong burden to see someone you love saved? What about a people group? So the question is, why should you have such a burden? Well, of course, because of the love of God. Jesus has died for them. Jesus loves them and he wants to know them. But of course, also, there is wrath to come. There is wrath to come for those who do not believe. Of course, a lot of people can think, oh, is this a scare tactic? Are you saying that people need to be saved? They, they should be afraid of what's going to happen, and that's why they should be afraid? But they should, they should feel convicted that they have turned from a righteous and loving God, a God who has come to pay for their sins, their debt. And so, yes, they should fear. Many people think that it makes them feel tough or powerful not to fear. They think, oh, it doesn't scare me. I'm not afraid of the judgment day, what's to come, this place called hell. But what about when thunder strikes near their house? Have you ever seen people's faces? Or an earthquake? Get under the table. They get really scared then. They get really scared when somebody close to them dies. That person? But then they want to act tough when it comes to the judgment day. You know, it's easy when you're not in the judgment to play that. And so, Paul is telling this people, and he has a burden for the Jewish people, and Paul is experienced in falling into the hands of the mighty God. He saw the power of God, but he also experienced the grace and mercy of God. He was going to kill Jesus' people, the Christians. He was going to kill God's chosen people. And God stopped him and had grace and mercy on him. If you were to think how much grace and mercy and love Paul felt when God saved him, wow, I don't deserve to be stopped like this and to be given this chance of salvation. 
And so Paul was very sober-minded when it comes to this. He was burdened. Of course, Abraham is burdened today. He was given the promise in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. And Abraham, his desire was obviously to see his children and his children's children and his children's children come to salvation. We know that Moses is burdened. Moses is called in Exodus chapter 9, or I'm sorry, Exodus chapter 3, and verse 9 and 10, and we see that Moses loved God, and so he was led to help the children of Israel come out of bondage. Of course, Moses is burdened for the Jewish people. Jesus is burdened for the Jewish people. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 15, verse 24, that Jesus came to his sheep. We know in John chapter 1, it says that he came to his own, and his own received him not. Matthew chapter 15, verse 24 says, But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Of course, this was a transitional period where he was first sent to that. We know the rest, that he opened the door to the rest of everyone. But we see that he was sent for the Jewish people. Jesus weeps for the Jewish people. We see in Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37 He says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Jesus was burdened for them. And they're burdened. We should be burdened that people that we know and the Jewish people would escape this judgment. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind. That's not the verse, but it's a good verse. But of course, this judgment day, how can they escape if they reject such a great salvation? They will be cast into what the Bible describes as everlasting darkness. It's a place described as eternal punishment, characterized by torment, darkness, separation from God, and destruction. It says in Matthew chapter 13, 45 through 50, Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a merchant man, seeking goodly pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angel shall come forth and sever, sever the wicked from among the just 
and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be weep, wailing and gnashing of teeth. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, it says, Then said the king unto the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jude chapter 1, verse 13, Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars, to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction? Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and they shall be no more, there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. They will not only go to this place of torment, but they will be forgotten. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17, it says, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. This should sober us. This should burden us. As Paul is burdened for his people, we should be burdened for our loved ones. We should be burdened for the Jewish people. The Jews have turned away from God. And Jesus came that he would be more personable. That they would understand that it's not about being religious. It's about having a relationship with him. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 2, says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people which walketh in a way that is not good after their own thoughts. So the first thing is that Paul is writing to the brethren, and he's saying this to these Gentile believers. This would be us. He's saying that they might be saved, that my people might be saved. They have an improper zeal. It says in Romans chapter 10, in verse 2, it says, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Not according to knowledge. They are religious, but in vain. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. God doesn't care about the religious things that you do. He doesn't care about the religious works that you try to have. Do you have a relationship with him? Have you ever seen somebody who was very passionate about something, but it was a lie? It was wrong? It's very often nowadays. Nowadays you'll see many, many videos of people being so passionate about something, but it's a lie. The Jewish people are passionate, but not according to knowledge. And they think their religion makes them better than others. In Isaiah chapter 65, verse 5, it says, Which say, Stand by thyself, come not near to me, for I am holier than thou. These are a smoke in my nose, a fire that burneth all the day. While we are here, what does God think? It's not according to knowledge or biblical truth. Many people would wonder, what is the biblical truth referring to? The gospel was presented all through the Bible, we see, especially in Genesis chapter 
22. And we see that there's prophecy after prophecy talking about the gospel message, talking about the Messiah to come, to give hope to a hopeless world. And when Jesus came, we see that he gave us the five witnesses in John chapter 5, the Spirit, John the Baptist, the works, the Father, and the Scriptures. We see that by any um, Jewish system that we see that in their Jewish law back then, Anybody to, who was to be a witness of somebody, of somebody doing something or somebody being somebody, they couldn't just witness of themselves. They couldn't speak for themselves. And so Jesus made it very clear to the Jews that there's plenty of evidence that he is the Messiah. And so their zeal was not according to knowledge. So we should be burdened to tell them. It should compel us to tell them. I was in Jordan driving down past the Dead Sea and we, I saw some people in the desert as I was on this bus out the window. I saw some people like just in the middle of the desert <coughs> on a rug. They were Muslims and they were praying. It was really hot. It's probably like 110 degrees or 120. And they were just praying out there. And that burdened me. I thought, wow, they have a zeal for God but it's not according to knowledge. That should burden us. We should be able to help people understand the way of God more perfectly. Have you done that in your life? Have you seen people have a zeal for God, understand the Bible, but not according to knowledge? Maybe they need it to learn it a little bit better. It says in Acts chapter 18 that this is what happened with Apollos. In Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 26, it says, And a certain Jew named Apollos, born of Alexandria, an eloquent man, a mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and talked diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he, be- he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. This is a pure example of somebody who is passionate about the truth. They were passionate about God, serving God. And we had some believers who take them aside and show them the way of God more perfectly. If you sat down with somebody who said they were a Christian, would you be able to sit down and talk to them and identify possibly some errors? and be able to point to the scriptures? Would you be able to help them understand the way of God more perfectly? I'm thankful that when before I was saved, I went into a Baptist church. It was probably a few services where somebody came up to me and said, when were you born again? I'm thankful that somebody said that to me. Somebody questioned me. Somebody questioned my doctrine. Somebody question my life, my heart. And this is our main message. When were you born again? The gospel. You must be born again. You must receive Christ. And so we know that God has a plan to bring Israel back to himself. He does not forget Israel. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 14 and 15, it says, But Zion said, The Lord hath forsaken me, and my Lord hath forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child? that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yea, they may forget, yet I will not forget thee. 
Of course, this is before the end. But in Romans chapter 11, verses 1 and, 1 and 2, we see that God still has people, some Jewish people that will be saved. And in Romans chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, it says, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Wot ye not? What the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace." We ought to be looking for opportunities when we see Jewish people to tell them of the gift of God, the Savior, Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. So who are your people? Who are your friends? Who are your grandparents? Your nationality? Maybe God has saved you that you might be a messenger to tell them. Have you actively sought to witness to Jews, God's chosen people? Paul was sent to the Gentiles, but he was thankful to see that God had a purpose in being sent to the Gentiles that he could be used to see Israel saved. In Romans chapter 11, verse 11 through 15, it says, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Now, if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them be the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh and might save some of them. Paul is hoping that as he is sent to the Gentiles, that the Jewish people would be provoked to be saved. It's a blessing when we see God's purpose in our lives. God might send us somewhere else, and we have a burden for our people, but God might still use you to reach them. Paul went to the synagogues everywhere he went. He was stoned and beaten by Jews. You know, it's hard to have a burden for people who react this way. But Jesus did. Imagine what Jesus could have thought in his mind when he, see, when he saw all these people, his creation rejecting him, spitting in, spitting in his face, mocking him, punching him. Most of us, if we were in that situation, we would say, okay, enough is enough. That's it. I am not going to pay the price for you guys. Most of us would say, you know what, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve salvation. But Christ went through with it. Don't let the bad people and the rejections of the lost stop you from warning them, from praying for them. Don't let Christ die in vain. Paul understood this. In Romans chapter 9, verse 3, we see 
how far Paul was willing to go. He says, For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Maybe he said this because he understood the love of Christ. It says in John chapter 15 and verse 13, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Paul understood this. And so he says, I would be, I wish myself to be accursed. He's willing to lay down his own life for his friends. And so as we think about those that God might want us to reach in our lives, and the Jewish people, Are you prepared to speak to them? The Bible says to walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Then it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always with an answer to give every man that asketh you of the reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. The Bible tells us, have an answer for every man. Would you know how to speak to a Jewish man today if you saw them? Here's some ideas. You could turn to Genesis chapter 22. I saw a man at a rest stop on the highway. He was a Jewish man dressed up. And so I said, hey, you've read Genesis chapter 22 about Abraham? He said, yeah. I said, oh, yeah. And how, you know, and I went through the story. Went through the story of Abraham being willing to sacrifice his son and going up there. And then I said, yeah, isn't it interesting in verse 8 how it says like God will provide himself a lamb? He said, yeah, that's awesome. I said, you know what's really cool is there's a man named John the Baptist in the Bible, and he was a Jewish man. And the Jewish people all confirmed that he was definitely a prophet from God. And he saw Jesus coming, and he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And so... He's referring to Genesis chapter 22, where God says he will provide himself a lamb. And he said, no, uh, he, God did provide the lamb. It was there with Abraham. And so he walked away, and I was very thankful that I was able to share that with him. You could also turn to Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 4. It says that all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We cannot work our way to heaven. Abraham was counted righteous for his faith in God and what God, the way that God would make for salvation, not in himself. See, that would probably resonate with some people. They would understand that. Yeah, that makes sense. God doesn't want us to brag or boast or think that we're good, good enough. Show them Hebrews chapter 9. And Hebrews chapter 10. Just remember that in your head when you see a Jewish person. Hebrews chapter 9. It says in verse 11 through 14, But Christ being come as come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of the building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of heifer sprinkled the unclean, sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, 
So, of course, you can point to those things that were in the Old Testament were just a picture of spiritual things that were to come in the future. This should make sense. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 11 and 12, it says, every, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin sat forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And so I hope that you are burdened to the, for the Jewish people and are looking for opportunities to reach them.